Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us Emily Pereira. Emily, I should have asked you, did I say your last name correct? You nailed it, Um, which is very rare. Most people do not do that. I should have asked first, but I'm glad that I got it right. Emily is a renowned love and relationship coach and recently a new author. She has her book coming out on November 17th, The Quest from Hollywood Hills to the Amazon Jungle, One Woman's Search for Enough. We have so many questions for her about the book and everything and the book will probably be out once this episode is out so i'm sure once you guys hear emily you guys are gonna run over to get it i know me and brenda are going to be doing that totally welcome to the show emily we're so excited to have you oh my gosh well first of all you girls are so cute and thank you so much for that beautiful introduction i'm a huge fan of your show i think that your title of your podcast is the most clever thing ever so i just love it thanks for having me oh Wow. Words of affirmation right off the bat. <laughs> love a compliment. Me and <laughs> love words of affirmation. No, but that means so much. We were like going back and forth like, oh, this needs to fit. So that means a lot. But today's about you. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Today's about you, Emily. So go ahead. We'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and how old you are, if you don't mind saying. Absolutely. Um, well, as you know, I'm Emily Pereira, and I am a love life coach, author, and founder of the Sunrise Mountain Retreat and Wellness Center here in Costa Rica where I live full time and I am 42 years old. I'm so jealous. I want to go to Costa Rica. I know. Same. Have you been here before? No. Never. It is magical. It looks magical. (laughs) It looks magical. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Hopefully we'll make our way down there one day soon. Um, Yes. Maybe you'll have to come on one of my retreats. um, Please. Yes. That would be only (laughs) incredible. (laughs) Yes, I run a retreat called the Mermaid Sisterhood here in Costa Rica. So it's a magical five days, super luxe, but also super deep spiritual retreat. And yeah, we just all these different divine feminine embodiment practices throughout the retreat. That sounds learn how to light yourself up from the inside. Oh, we're gonna get to all of that. Yeah, that sounds right up our alley. (laughs) Before we get to all of those things, your book is coming out so soon. So first of all, congratulations on that. Um, That's so awesome. Yeah. And so see, your book was inspired by your experience with abandonment and heartbreak. So could you tell us a little bit more about your story? Yes, absolutely. Um, The book opens on page one when I'm deep in the most painful heartbreak of my life. You know, the kind where you're just sure that you just can't go on anymore and you've made horrible mistakes and ruined your life. (laughs) Back then, I didn't understand that when one door closes, it's because another one is ready to open. You know, and so often we experience something so painful and we think that we're failing, but really any time that we're going through, you know, like a difficult period it's as it's as if this invisible door has like creaked open and it's inviting us in mm. to have an inner quest and so this is really how the quest began so it's a big story I mean I ended up writing an entire novel about it the first draft was actually 600 pages but the short version 
is basically it's the story of a girl who seemed like she had it all in her 20s. You know, I had this hotshot career and I was living in a penthouse on the beach in LA with my internet tycoon boyfriend who just sold his company for half a billion dollars. And, you know, I just had this endless stream of parties and events and vacations and a closet full of designer clothes. And, you know, I was laughing because it still sounds pretty good when I say it out loud. But, you know, there was this emptiness, you know, inside of me. And I wouldn't have really identified it as that. I just felt sort of like in like a constant anxiousness and I would try to fill it you know with more stuff like that the overarching culture kind of tells us is going to make us happy right so I would work more I'd shop more I'd work out more I'd go to concerts and parties and go 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 and you know then the whole thing sort of started it came crashing down when my man of almost six years who I thought I was going to marry cheated on me and I was so devastated you know but unbeknownst to me really an entirely new horizon became available to me because I was brave enough to go inward so you know I really think that the genius of this book is that it's this beautiful escape that you know takes you to the far corners of the earth, especially now when we need it most, right? Mm-hmm. When a lot of people are stuck in, stuck in oh, on their couch. We need it. But you get this potent transformational wisdom that the narrator is getting from this spiritual teacher she connects with, you know, without having to really do the work, without sitting on the therapist's couch. Essentially, it's like a whole lot of self-improvement with tangible tools for healing and self-realization, but it's hidden in the pages of this super juicy novel. Oh, I mean, it sounds amazing. And it sounds like really what everybody needs, especially like because you went through this life changing thing in your 20s. And that's, you know, obviously that's our main audience. And that's where me and Brenda are at in our lives. So it's so interesting, like when I see so many of our friends feeling like similar to the way that you're describing of like this constant anxiousness or this like somewhat feeling of emptiness or being in relationships that aren't really serving them. And I'm just so excited for everyone to get to read the book because I know personally a lot of people that need it. I probably need it. And I'm just so excited. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that. Yeah. You know, I think I always say, I'm like, I wish I could bottle up how I feel now and like hand it out to 25 year olds because- I wish so much that I could have enjoyed my 20s more the way that I enjoy life now, but I just didn't have the information. And I really think that that's what it comes down to. It's like, we need to have the the information that we are working with, that powers our beliefs and our beliefs power our thoughts and our thoughts are creating everything conscious and unconscious in our lives. And so it really comes down to like, what information are you using to operate your life? And so often we don't even question that because we've just been raised a certain way, you know, just basic things from the time we're young. Girls should wear pink, boys should wear blue. We don't even question it. And that's what the whole, like the root of the book, The Quest, is really about question. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the answers are finite, but the questions are infinite. And that's where the real power is. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on our show. We talk about specifically the book Untamed. Um, mm-hmm. And all we, all, we talk about a bunch of different things. Yeah. But we, it's been something that's really come up in our lives too, is this whole idea that like, what if what we want and who we want to be is different from who we thought or who we're told we're supposed to be. And it's just this whole thing that Julia and I have also found so much healing in just having these conversations, which is really ultimately the premise of our podcast is by having these conversations, we ultimately heal more. We discover more about ourselves. We understand what actually doesn't align with our beliefs and what does. And um, it's just so cool that this is such a key, like the more people we speak to, the more we realize that that this is the key to really like aligning with, with who you want to be is actually asking these questions. So the fact that you you've written a whole book on it <laughs> means it's probably the key to a lot of people for their sources of healing and really aligning as well. Yeah. Oh yes. I love that. And I just think it's 
so powerful what you guys are doing with your podcast. First of all, when I was in my twenties, we didn't have this kind of stuff, right? So we were just like, we're just starting to ride that wave of social media. And so I often wonder like, would my trajectory have been different had all this information mm. been more available to me? Yeah. You know, because back then it was, it was quite different. And so, yeah, it was, I, I think too, kind of reframing, you know, when you have sort of like a, a breakdown or a crisis or a breakup and understanding that's an opportunity. You know what I mean? It's, it, that's not a marker of your failure. That's saying, okay, something's, there's something out there that's better aligned for me. So, you know, I think there's some divine intelligence too at play here with this book coming out right now, because I finished writing this book after everything I valued was stripped away. And now this book has become a portal for other women to access, you know, their inner resources at a time on our planet when a lot of our external you know, the externals that normally distract us from ourselves have been stripped away because of what's going on in the world. And so this book is really a portal to accessing your rich inner resources and discovering where your true value really comes from. Because when you understand where your true value really comes from, that's going to save you from any of the things that you're fearful or running from. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you actually are leading me right into my next question, Emily, this, this thing about being enough. I feel like it's something, you know, that's thrown around a lot. Obviously, it's in the title of the book. But what is what does being enough mean to you? Like, how does one define that for themselves? How do we know what that is? How do we get there? What is enough? Yeah, oh my goodness, enough. I have pondered this so many times. Right? I mean, enough. What a strange word, right? Like, the yeah. N is a rendition of in. And then you have these you know, very complicated letters that seem to mean nothing in and of themselves. It's like, why is the O silent? Like, yeah. why is the TH pronounced as an F? Like yeah. enough, the word, it kind of feels like it's just a trickster, like in and of itself. You know, the more that I go along, it's pretty clear that enough isn't really a place where you land. Like enough support, enough money, enough sales, enough followers, enough love, enough beauty, enough free time, enough talent, you know, just enough of all the good things in life. But, you know, I have glimpsed enough, you know, like just in these rare moments, like in the early morning when I see like the Quetzal court bird, like perched on the Guanacaste tree outside my kitchen, or if I'm walking barefoot in the cool packed earth on a moonless night, or like I see feel it when I'm looking in the mischievous sparkle of my three-year-old daughter's eyes or when I'm flying over the crest of a wave on my surfboard. And certainly when I'm, you know, in moments of inspiration, writing a new song on my guitar, that's when I just like luxuriate in it. And I'm sure it's just going to last forever. And then just poof, as soon as it came, it just seems to disappear. It just... Mm shimmies off into the night sky with no mention of when it plans to return. And I find myself like in a standoff with that trickster enough again. Mm. So, you know, I just think ultimately enough is not a finish line that you cross. It's more of a field that you can enter yeah. and there's like these access points. And so you can access it by understanding that uniqueness is what makes you beautiful and wonderful and strong and interesting rather than somebody else's idea of enough and really giving yourself permission. And there's something you learn how to do in the book is, you know, permission leads you to your passion and passion is no accident. Okay. It's the compass that's going to guide you to your purpose. And your passions are a portal to entering this field of enough more of the time. And living on purpose is another portal to enough. The natural world is a portal to enough. So there's these different ways that we can sort of access it, but it is by no means 
a finish line. It also sounds like being present. Absolutely. Yes. These things I just described deliver you to the present. Exactly. Right. Right. When you could be really present, like my dad, I wish I could, he has this saying about that anxiety is created by like the future and the past. And then if if you're present, like you'll never be anxious or depressed or whatever. Like he says it really nice, obviously. (laughs) Probably what he says is anxiety lives in the future and regret and sadness live in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a quote from Eckhart Tolle's book, um, The Power of Now. It makes so much sense. And bring, being that you brought up purpose, why do you think that people lose so much of themselves or their purpose while in relationships and then have to, you know, go on this whole big self-discovery quest after a heartbreak? Like, do you think it's possible mm. not to sacrifice their whole soul-searching journey when they're in a relationship? Oh, that's such a great question. And the self-discovery quest after heartbreak is really what my whole book is about. Right. Um, you know, really what the narrator finds is that we never actually lose ourselves. We never lose our purpose, mm-hmm. even when we're super focused on the guy. What I found is just that our purpose and our true self is always with us. We just don't know how to access it. Or maybe we've never accessed it to begin with because we have just been buying into all of these messages from you know the overarching culture about how we should be and think and act. So, you know, if you've lost your focus or it feels like you've lost your focus for a while because you've been focused on the guy or the relationship, then heartbreak can actually be the biggest gift of your life. And I know that sounds really crazy because, you know, I was such a mess, like darkest, darkest days. But when the relationship winds up not working and it's like you've been holding on by your fingernails to the ledge and you think that's holding you up, but then suddenly the ledge gets taken away. And at first you're terrified you're going to fall, but then you realize that what's holding you up is so much different than that. And that's like this inner resourcing that there's nothing more powerful than that. But oftentimes it does take something kind of intense or kind of traumatic before we're willing to make a change or go inward. And now, you know, I look back at that time that was seriously to this day, still the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my late twenties. I was 28 years old. And I look back at that as also the greatest gift of my entire life. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause I, I feel like, and it's going back to what we said earlier about having resources. I feel like we don't know how to ask ourselves a lot of the time those those questions. Like, I, I, I mean, I recently went through a really pretty terrible breakup as well. And I, me and Brenda have been talking so much about it. And like, Brenda asked me like, if I knew, cause like, I'm a very intuitive person. And Brenda asked me like, if I knew, and it's like, like if like he was the right person or not. And it's like, yes, but I didn't know at the time while I was in that relationship, like how to ask myself the deep questions. I was asking myself questions, but I wasn't asking myself the right questions or the, or the deep questions. And I, and now I, I know the questions and I know the answers for now, but I wonder how, you know, like, how do we, how do we know how to ask the right questions when oh you're, when you're in it, you know? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I actually created an entire companion guide um, oh, to the book. Great. great. With the Quest Companion Guide, and it is a radical guide to self-love, and it's all questions. Oh. So it's 
all questions to get you to fall in love with yourself. And that's honestly, that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what it is. When you are lit up by your own life, by your own creations, by your own passions, when you are relaxed in yourself, this is like catnip to every man, okay? This is like catnip. Here I was running around trying to do the dishes, trying to do the laundry, trying to make dinner, trying to make it all cool, trying to get the perfect outfit. Okay, that was doing absolutely nothing for my sex appeal. Had I just taken all that energy I was putting into him and just put it back into myself and learned how to light myself up from the inside and ask myself those questions that could lead me on that beautiful inner quest of of really just being curious and like letting yourself open like a beautiful time-lapse flower. That's just like completely irresistible. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for everyone to get their their hands on those questions because it's something that I feel like we know that we're starting to know that we should do. I think before recently, you know, women weren't allowed to ask themselves those questions, but now we're kind of in this new age that, you know, we are, thank God, it's where we should be, but it's hard to know the right ones. So I'm so glad that there's going to be a guide. Yes. I mean, this comes from 14 years of intensive and extensive spiritual study and apprenticeship under some of the most powerful teachers on the planet that have information that's not in books. Like it really is so powerful. Oh my God. I can't wait. And speaking of lighting yourself up, this idea of like self-worth, I think you know, obviously these questions that you have are going to lead us down that journey. But I know so many people that have like completely like a lack of self-worth after something as, you know, devastating as like a bad breakup or especially when there's like infidelity such as your situation was. So can you dive in on that of like, how do we, how do we detach a breakup or infidelity from our self-worth? you know, when we're still kind of in the mushy emotion of it. Yeah, the tender parts. Oh my gosh, I so I so relate with this. I mean, I so understand this so intimately. And I think it really is important to understand that the you know, that's something that's been really helpful for me to understand is that everything comes down to alignment, right? So if the alignment shifts energetically, there's gonna be a break. And while it can be excruciatingly painful, it's actually because there's a better alignment for you outside of that partnership. So the physical plane is constantly rearranging to match our inner vibrational frequency. So, you know, like I said before, like if one door closes, it's because another one is ready and waiting to open for you. So that's, that's really an important thing to understand. And, you know, when it comes to cheating, like it was in my case, you know, cheating isn't really so much the problem as it is the symptom of a problem in the relationship. Does that make sense? So it's like, there's something that's already going on in the relationship. And then that person is going outside of the relationship because that relationship, there's something already a little bit broken there, but there's different reasons why people cheat. And it's important to understand that it's about the cheater. Okay, not about the person that's been cheated on. You know, when I was in my 20s and my guy cheated on me, I was so mad and so resentful and I was so hard on myself and I was berating myself, you know, thinking that I was this horrible person that he wanted to cheat on. When in reality, the alignment had changed and our relationship was already broken. It was just that he was too much of a coward to break up with me. So he had to create a situation so I would break up with him. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to serial cheaters, you know, these are people who really are lacking inner resources. They aren't able to self-validate. I was so, just going to say that. Yes. Yeah. So even if they do deeply care about you, they have this insatiable hunger for hits of validation, right? Yeah. That one person can't satisfy. And this is really common when someone's entire value system is external. 
Mm. And this is really amplified in our culture right now, right? With social media, like likes are these external oh, validation that reach so the dopamine centers of our brain. Yep. We have everything in our culture teaches us to outsource our value, it's right? So true. We it's have been so taught true. that our self-worth is external. And, you know, because we've been parented by the patriarchy, we learn that a man is the source of our value. This man's going to take care of you. That relationship yeah. is going to give you value. It's going to keep you safe and it becomes the number one priority. So when we define ourselves through this relationship, of course, it's going to be brutal when we break up because we feel like we're losing like ourself, right? So if breakup feels like it's hitting your self-worth, then there's usually some self-love that needs tending to, right? Like you don't want to detach so much Mm -hmm. breakup from the self-worth. You want to let the breakup be your teacher and show you where self-worth is low. And then you want to really grow up. That's my little three-year-old. So cute. cute. (laughs) Um, Yes. So that makes complete sense like the you put everything so in a way that makes so much sense I feel like all these things that feel so complex to understand or that we have floating in our heads like you just word it so beautifully which must be why you're, you're an author and a speaker and a retreat host <laughs> um but you mentioned something that I think is so common and I we've met so many people we know so many people that settle for less than they deserve in relationships likely because they don't know what they deserve or don't feel worthy of of more or any of that so what advice would you give to a woman struggling to open up about things that they believe are wrong in their relationship? Like maybe they're experiencing gaslighting or red flags out of fear of what their friends would think or even fear to admit this to themselves. Like kind of like Julia said before. Back to that validation too though, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think that, you know, what's happening in that case is like fear. You know, fear is a really big factor here and fear is always a sign that the self wants to grow bigger to be more, to do more. You know, when the women I work with, when the women come to me, especially the ones who do the Quest for Love Academy with me, we look closely at that fear and we swim around in it. And what is that fear really about? You know, again, coming back to the questions, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're afraid to open up, why are you afraid? You know, what are you afraid will happen? Like, are you afraid of what people will think? Are you afraid to face the truth and possibly be alone? Are you afraid of a scarcity model? You know, meaning like you think there's no other guys out there, even though it's like 3.5 billion other men out there. Like we got to pop in this one guy. Yeah. Um, You know, that thinking is always going to keep us, you know, tripped up and trapped, you know, because there's really like so many men out there and many of them don't gaslight and they don't exhibit red flags, you know? So one of them is waiting for you and wanting to like really see you in the wholeness and beauty and magic of who you really are. So if you feel like you don't have friends that you can really trust for whatever reason, like, you know, don't be hard on yourself if you feel like you can't be totally honest or you want to like put out a certain, you know, exterior. Um, there was a time when I felt like I had no friends I could really trust. Um, and in that case, like a coach or a mentor is a fantastic option. You'll see if you, when you read the book, like I connect with this teacher, James, and he, you know, he really, you cannot underestimate the power of one human helping another human to really help yeah. me change my life. You know, ultimately I was the one that did the changing. It was, it's my story, but having somebody that has empowering information for you, shine a light for you is, can be really invaluable. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And what's interesting, and this might not be phrased so eloquently on my end, but I feel like we have people in our lives that are in very happy relationships and sometimes get anxious and overthink because we're in our twenties and 
say, oh my gosh, like what if this isn't the right thing and I don't know and like there are no red flags or no signs, but what if it's not right? And then there's the flip side of people that are like, I don't know if this is right. I'm not really incredibly happy, but I also don't want to be alone and like all this stuff. So I feel like it's so hard, kind of like Julia said, to know like what's right. And I am certain your questions will definitely guide that. But yeah, that's kind of where people in our life are definitely at at this point. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I remember feeling in my 20s just, I, I wouldn't have known if I'd been able to articulate it like this at the time, but looking back on it now, it felt like in my 20s, like life was like a test I had to pass. It was like, get the right job, have to get the right guy, have to get the feeling, and it all had to happen by 30, or I was going to like burst into flames or something. Exactly. Isn't that what happens at 30? We burst into flames. If you don't have the stuff, right? If you don't have all the stuff that says that you're a valuable, great person. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, okay, well, newsflash, no. And actually, God, the day after you turn 30, you let out a big sigh of relief and you're like, oh, okay. No, I'm okay. <laughs> I didn't explode. Yes. But um, what I would love to tell you is just that I felt so much more relaxed turning 40 than I felt turning 30. Like, I don't know what is in the white space of our culture that makes us so terrified of that number 30. And we feel like we have to have our shit totally together. But life goes on mm-hmm. and it does get better, actually. Yeah. It keeps getting better. And, the, I, you know, I was just on a live webinar today and I told the ladies, I was like, if somebody told me at 28, I would have way more high quality guys after me at 38, I would have thought they were a liar, drunk, or batshit crazy. But that is exactly <laughs> happened <laughs> and wow. it's all because of the inner quest right it's just getting inner deeper in that self-worth so sexy. yes yeah absolutely so I would just say like if you're in your 20s and you're listening to this and you're like nervous that you don't have it all together you're not sure if he's the right guy or whatever it is take a nice deep breath <laughs> that's the first thing I would say and I'm gonna just give you a big hug and say you are gonna be okay mm-hmm. and you are okay and you're magical and wonderful wonderful. And nobody is holding you to this really high standard. You know, like the twenties are a time, like looking back on it now, if I could go and whisper in my 20 something self ear, it'd be like, go have an adventure. Stop worrying about being so perfect. Like do and try things that are way outside your comfort zone. Get to know who you are. There's so much pressure to try to like get it right. And that just, it's like we're living in, I was living in a straight jacket and I didn't even know I was living in a straight jacket throughout my whole twenties. Yeah, it's such a good analogy because there is, there's like so much pressure on to just get to these finish lines that we've set up for ourselves or that we feel like society has set up for us. It's like, okay, get the boyfriend and then get the job and then get this amount of money and then get, you know, this apartment or this house or, and it's like all of these finish lines. And they get the ring and they get the baby and get the all stuff. Yeah. And And like, are you happy in any of that? Are you feeling fulfilled in any of that? Like, are you even asking if you are? It's like, it's like almost robotic. You know, and it's really, it's like a race to nowhere. You're like, you're racing, you're racing to get there. And then you get there and you're like, okay, now I need to race to the next thing. And race to the next thing. And like, you miss life, you know, like as it's going by. And so really life is in the moment. And so it's like, what, it's another great question. It's like, what are you doing that makes you want to put down your phone? What, who are you surrounded? If the people that you're surrounded by don't make you want to put down your phone, then it's like maybe, maybe I new people to surround yourself with, right? Because joy lives in the moment. Yep. And so if we're constantly out of the moment, it's very difficult to know that feeling of joy. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that, that back to being present. Back to being present. So seemingly simple. <laughs> right? It sounds, and it sounds so simple and it, yet it's so hard sometimes. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And um, yeah, I mean, when the book starts to, I talk a lot about this. I'm like so past time. I'm so much sadness, so much regret, so many mistakes I believe I've made. And one realization I really come to is that there's no such thing as a spiritual mistake. Like everything you either you either win or you learn and if you learn you win right yes. so oh i love that treating life like it is this choose your own adventure you know video game personal development video game that's like how i live my life now and it's so fun and and i just feel like you know i'm you know been able to relinquish so much more control you know, just surrendering to what is and trusting that in every moment, like there's no mistakes because every moment is passing us an opportunity to grow into greater wholeness. And so the most important question that I have found that has helped me land on new horizon again and again and again, I mean, so many people are like, Emily, what the heck? You've had like nine lives, girl. And like, it just seems to keep being and keep getting yeah. better. And, um, cause I've been through some doozies. Okay. Like stuff that like some people would be like, how did you peel yourself off the ground off that? And one question I continue ask myself is why am I creating this and that simple act of why am I'm creating this mm. takes me out of victim something's happening to me and puts me back in the driver's seat of my life mm. and then the second question I ask myself is where is the gift because in every single situation, you know, the patriarchy that has parented us would like us to believe that life is a test to pass and we have to, we're constantly fielding these problems. But the divine feminine says, ooh, like there's the gift in every situation. And so when you find the gift, like if someone's gonna give you a gift on Christmas, what is the predominant emotion that you feel? Yeah, because joy. Excited. <laughs> yeah. And gratitude, right? You're grateful yeah. somebody gave you a present, right? So yeah. when we find the gift, we retain that vibrational frequency of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And gratitude is the fundamental building block of all manifestation. So instead of being like, oh, poor me, bad things happen to me, we get to move into like, oh, I created this to learn this about myself. I created this to let go. I created this to learn about forgiveness. I created this mm -hmm. to put myself out there. You know, whatever it is, you find the gift. Mm -hmm. And then that allows you to continue to move forward forward in your life and not stay stuck. I love that. And being that you are talking about these, like seeing breakups or whatever the situation as an opportunity, as a gift, I totally get that. I see the beauty in that. Even if, you know, in certain situations I don't at first, normally both Julie and I have had experiences where we eventually see where the gift is. So if you could talk to a person that's like on, you know, at rock bottom right now and doesn't see this as a gift, whatever's happening to them, like what would you say to them to help them see the hope in that and in future situations, if that makes sense? Yeah. So well, first of all, I totally recognize that. Like when you're in it, yeah. like, it's so hard to see the gift. Yeah. First, I just want to give you a quick example from my own life. Like, okay, so I went through a ghosting of epic proportions in my mid thirties and I decided to freeze my eggs. And while at first I thought this was like the greatest leap for womankind ever, a week later, I felt like someone was stabbing me with a fireplace poker in my yoni 24 seven for a year. Okay. Oh like I couldn't oh even God. wear jeans for a year. And like, I was so depressed. I was so upset. I was sure I'd made a horrible mistake. I started to doubt my own belief that there's a gift in every situation. Mm -hmm. And I was just like beside myself. And that led me, another portal opened. Okay. That led me on this quest for health. And you know, I tried all these, you know, I went to like so many different doctors and healers and this and that. And eventually like in my lowest point, I was led to this radical protocol called detox for cellular regeneration. 
Now, let me be clear, like while I was in it, mm-hmm. I was having all the emotions. And it's important to have all the emotions because all of the emotions are super feminine and emotions are there for a reason. Our emotions are messengers for us. But when I finally came out of it and I completely healed my body from um, just eating fruits, vegetables, and herbs, you know, not only did I heal myself, but I discovered this sparkling vitality that I literally had not you know, known since I was like, oh, I don't know, like age seven. And I literally found what I think is the fountain of youth. And that turned out to be the greatest gift. Yeah. So it's like, yes, that was awful. And I went through it and it lasted for years. And I spent gazillions of dollars trying to heal my body. And I, for years, could not find the gift. Okay. But I, I trusted in the back of my head. I'm like, I know this is going to make sense one day. I know there's going to be a gift someday because in all my other experiences, I could look back and see the gift. And so sometimes you cannot find the gift in the moment. And one of the best things you can do is just to come into acceptance of what is, okay? Allow, when we're trying to fight against what is, that's usually what causes us the most inner pain. Yes, exactly. So you can just say, okay, this is here. This is in my reality. This is in my field. Now what am I going to do about it? right? Mm-hmm. You can actually take like, you know, action in a way that is calm and collected rather than just fighting this thing. You know, for me, when I was in like my darkest days of the breakup, what I found really healed myself was finding a trusted, loving mentor. You know, that really was so key for me. This person gifted me an entirely new lens to see myself in the world. I started to give myself permission to do and try things way outside my comfort zone. And what that does is that leads to passions, okay? Permission leads to, the equation is permission leads to passion and passion leads to purpose. And living a passionate, purpose-filled life, there's really nothing like that. I mean, even the greatest, grandest love, you know, is kind of like secondary to the passion and the purpose because that is like self-love in action. So, Those two things were really key. I also stopped outsourcing my value, okay? So realizing that your value doesn't come from anybody outside of you. It comes from how you feel about you internally and passionate, purposeful living can do a lot to help you internalize your value. And also treating your body like a temple, okay? I started to treat my body like a temple, which meant I you know, that I just didn't let anyone else abuse me, you know, mentally anymore because that helped me elevate my life in such a way, you know, it'd be hard for me to explain in just a few minutes, but it really transformed. When you start respecting yourself, it feels like almost an atrocity if somebody else doesn't respect you. You're just like, oh my gosh, I just don't want you even in my field. And then eventually those people don't even come into your field because you don't even attract it. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I feel like that's something that I also notice a lot of people and myself doing of like making, like not yet having that trust with yourself of like treating your body as a temple and having those rules for yourself and knowing what level of respect that you deserve. I feel like I often will make excuses for people and Mm -hmm. I know a lot of other people that do that, but it's like an it's like, when, when do we stop making excuses for people and really believe in our, you know, how much we deserve? 
Right. Well, you know, I think excuse making is actually sort of unconscious, right? I think we do this when we haven't really gotten to know ourselves and our Mm -hmm. deepest desires yet. So we're sort of taking these cues from society's definition of what success and happiness looks like rather than what really feels Mm -hmm. good on a soul level. So when you start to really know what lights you up and what nourishes you, you're going to have a much higher standard. And, you know, anything else, it just turns you off. You know, so you don't make excuses. You just sort of walk away. Yeah. You know, in the Quest for Love Academy and in my book, you learn about how important it is to know the self. And then once you know what you deserve, you really attract an entirely different kind of man. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And kind of going off of that, how, because you said that excuses are like subconscious, which I definitely believe is the case, like I, I've like beyond identifying when the excuses have gone too far, how do people know what love is supposed to be like and feel like, especially if it's like maybe their first time in a relationship or maybe they've only, you know, had people that have, you know, maybe they've only seen love a certain way. So how, I think that's a big piece that holds people back is like you said, they see things in society or in movies that might not always model either they, you know, romanticize something to an extreme and don't show any conflict or, you know, healthy um, arguments and stuff, or there's this other piece that doesn't model it well either. So how, yeah, I guess, how do people know what love is supposed to be and feel like and, um, and make their decisions based on that? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely going to be different, you know, from, from person to person, but it has so much to do with the kind of love and care that you're giving yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So that other person is really going to be a mirror for Mm -hmm. you. And if it's, if it's not feeling good, if you're feeling like you're constantly being treated in a way that you walk out of the room and you're like, ouch, that didn't feel good. That didn't feel good. That's definitely not love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. No, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes we just have to remember that, you know, because we just get caught, you know, we get so entangled, right? Our lives get so entangled. It's like same friend group. Maybe we're living together. Maybe we're working together and it seems hard to like untangle it all. So we put up with sort of like yes. microaggressions and abuse, mm-hmm. but doesn't feel good. I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, if you're going to call in, you know, I call what I have now with my partner conscious relationship. And sometimes we, you know, have hard moments, you know, it's not like we're just like, you know, butterflies and rainbows all the time, but we can talk it through in, in a respectful way. And we can, you know, part of being in a conscious relationship is, is recognizing that you are being witness to someone else's unconsciousness, right? (laughs) Bringing out the unconsciousness in each other so it can get healed. So sometimes it is not always easy when you're in a conscious relationship, but it's important to be able to have that communication and be able to be heard and be able to be respected. And even if you have a different opinion, be respected for that different opinion. Yes. I'm thinking of like an example from a very specific example um, of people in our lives that will say things about the relationships they're in. And I'm, I'm mostly asking this because I find like time and time again, this is what people come across because they might not be sure even if love is supposed to feel different for others or look different. They're not sure what that looks like. So I feel like we have these conversations and they'll say, oh, you know, this and this and this happened. It'll be something negative. And then, but you know, we have fun together or you know what I mean? Like, like share, even if they share something negative, it's, it's kind of outsourced with something positive, but not like out of this world type of positive. Um, so would you say that's more of a, a red flag than not? Uh, 
Um, well, I think on the one level, it's good that that person is being vulnerable, right? Because relationships oftentimes they aren't one dimensional. They can be complex. You know what I mean? Like they're in, in relationships can go through different seasons. So there can be a period of, you know, not the best with the relationship. And then like, cause people are growing at different rates. People are going through things at different rates. While there may be an alignment for the relationship, you have to understand it's two individuals that have come together in this partnership. And so, you know, there can be growing pains as people are growing in different directions. And so on the one hand, if the friend says something like that, I think it's kind of a good thing that she's being vulnerable and saying like, okay, well, this is this is happening, but there is still a lot of good here. But if you're sensing, if that person does feel like it's an excuse, again, it's sort of back to, back to that fear model, you know, and fearing that maybe there's not enough to go around and the scarcity model and just kind of holding on, like, what's that quote? It's like, good is the enemy of great. Mm. Oh yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> a really good one. Right. And so sometimes it's just like we hold on because they're like, well, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know? And I think the more that you're able to build up your own self-worth and realize, like, okay, I'm okay on my own. Like it's okay to be a single woman for a while. You know, like I can walk away from this and I can know and trust. Like I enjoy my own company enough and I enjoy my friends' company enough. And I and I can know and trust that I'm worth more. Yeah. You know, but that does take some inner work. And sometimes we don't do the inner work until some big catastrophe happens. Yeah. Cause we're not pushed to like, we're not pushed to, right. We're just so comfortable. comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. In this good. And yeah, it goes back to asking those questions and the, you know, finding the tools to be able to ask the questions and then really asking the questions and building that self-worth. And it seems like, you know, we're talking a lot of different avenues, but it's always kind of coming back to the same thing that really like what we all need to do is be proactive about our, the internal work of our mm-hmm. self-worth of that, that enoughness. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it takes some courage because our entire oh, society yeah. is set up to validate us externally, yeah. right? So when you go and you're like doing this quiet inner work and it's just like, okay, well, I can't post about this. Right. And no this, one can see that. Yeah. This isn't like a nice bag I'm going to be carrying, or this isn't going to be like a fancy car I'm driving or anything. But I will guarantee you that in time, people will start to notice and they'll want to know what that sparkle is in your eye. Yes. And the thing that's interesting is the more that sparkle is in your eye, I mean, I, I have to share this story because I think about this so often these days. No, when I was in my 20s, I really wanted like a rock on my finger. Okay. <laughs> I wanted like the rock. And and it's so funny now. Like I I'm here in Costa Rica and three acres of wild jungle land, you know, there's like nothing around and it'll be like the middle of the night and I'm swinging my baby in the hammock and I'm just looking up at the stars and I'm like, there's all these diamonds in the sky. What the heck was I trying to do? Put one lousy diamond on my finger. Oh my God. I just you know? it's so beautiful. <laughs> and it's like, now I don't even, I genuinely don't want a diamond on my finger. Like it just seems like just, I'm just like, I don't need that. And because it's like, I just want the inner riches. And so it really, it takes time. Okay. It's not something that happens overnight, but it's no. a beautiful quest and it is so generative. It's going to keep giving and giving and give, giving to you like nothing material ever can. Yeah. It's so crazy especially our generation and younger than us with the social media, how much is, how much we do. And I do it, I do it all the time, how much we do for the external, the external validation. And it's like so crazy that like, that is, I, what I do know about enoughness is that's never going to be enough. 
Exactly. That's, you're just going to be on a hamster wheel exactly. not enough again and again and again. Yeah. That, yeah. I might not know what enough is, but I know that that's not it. Yeah. And I know it will never be. Exactly. Well, you girls are very tuned in. I have to say you're very, you're ahead of your time. <laughs> it's honestly from talking to people like you, Emily, like we have, gr- we have grown so much in, I think mostly like that, the question asking. Yeah. Like to be able to ask ourselves questions beyond just the surface level stuff, because we get to hear people like you who who are able to impart, you know, the wisdom on us. And that's what you were saying about like the book being like this toolbox. And that's why I'm so excited for people to get their hands on it. Um, But Emily, you've been so incredible. We just have a couple more questions for you. I want to ask you about this summit that you just did, the Quest for Love Summit. I know you had so many incredible speakers. I was looking up who you had. Can you tell us a little bit about how that went? And then also, like, was there anything that came out of that from all of the incredible speakers you had that, like, you wish that everybody could have heard? Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was such an incredible event. The main themes that we really dove into were what makes a woman wildly attractive, what is it that creates cosmic connection and what inspires <laughs> and what inspires committed devotion? And so we've been dancing around this, this whole um, podcast already about what makes a woman wildly attractive, but it really is this woman that doesn't need a man. She wants a man, right? She's sovereign. She's lit up by her own self, her own creations, her own passions. You know, she's got her own thing going on. I had a lot of conscious couples on the summit and all of the men said this, that that was what, you know, they found so attractive about this, about their partner that they were with. And, you know, when it comes to cosmic connection, what really creates that cosmic connection? And this goes, this flies directly in the face of exactly what I was trying to do in my twenties by being so perfect. But what creates that deep cosmic connection is really vulnerability, willing to be seen in the wholeness and complexity of who you are. Understand that life is a universal experience. We all have fears. We all have insecurities. We all have these different things going on. You know, obviously maybe you don't want to show up on the first date and like dump all of your stuff, but you know, allow yourself to be seen because that ability to allow yourself to be seen unconsciously, let subconsciously, excuse me, lets him know he's safe to be seen. And at our core, what we crave deeply as humans is to be seen in the wholeness and the full expression of who we are and be loved for what is seen. That came up again and again, you know, that especially a lot of these people, these presenters, they had, you know, they were quote unquote unlucky in love and then they found love. And this was like the big turning point for them was that they learned how to be vulnerable. They learned how to be seen. And yes, and then inspiring that, you know, committed devotion. A lot of what came up was from the men, especially, was that they loved how committed women were to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they were committed to their own lives, to their own growth, to their own paths that made men feel relaxed, that they weren't mm-hmm. responsible for making this woman happy. She already was happy. She had, she had ways to resource herself. Yeah. And I think also like, I mean, I'm, I wish I could have been there. Wow. That's like everything I wanted to know. But how do I say this? Like not faking that and like really being that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I'm like not saying an actual sentence, but 
No, I understand. You're going to get so many tools when you read the quest and the companion guide. Like you're going to, it's going to take you on a journey where you, this is authentic. You're not going to have to fake it till Mm -hmm. you make it because you're going to understand the truth of who you are. It's more like, it's not really like needing to transform. It's more like being born under this patriarchal culture. You've been told like, it's cold, put on a raincoat. No, it's cold, put on that snow jacket. Oh, put on that poncho. And so we look in the mirror and we see this version of ourselves that isn't actually even us. And so it's more really like a removal of the illusions of who we think we are and underneath it all is this incredibly beautiful, whole, wonderful, magical person. And so it's really not about like, oh, I need to go and like try to be this other version of myself. It's more like removing the obstruction to knowing this incredible being that you are. That's it. Yes. No, that's the, I think that was so beautifully put. And I also, the more that you strip all those layers away, the more clearly you're able to see and feel who you are. And I feel like that's something that we've seen here, Ju, is like the more that you really align with who you are, that's who you become, right? Your true authentic self. And then you start to act and receive and live your life in alignment with that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's like just, the magnet. That's like yeah. when things come, when the love comes, when the job yeah. comes, when the, you know, yes, because the more authentically we show up as ourselves, like yeah. that's the type of stuff that we're going to attract. And I love that you, I was like literally dancing in my chair when you said vulnerability, because <laughs> that is just like everything that we talk about. And that is the way that that's the whole, you know, premise of this podcast. And we've seen, just like you said, as humans, we we want connection. And by modeling that vulnerability, we've literally seen firsthand with our friends and, and with just the people in our lives that by being vulnerable, that breeds even more vulnerability. And we've had like deeper conversations than we have in our whole lives just by modeling the way. Yes. I mean, you can be the light. It, I, it's really contagious because it's just like animals, right? Like when one animal sees another animal's relaxed, then that animal relaxes, right? So if you can relax into the truth and the authenticity, authenticity of who you are and be vulnerable, then you're letting the people around you know you're safe. You can do it too. Yeah, definitely. And and you've been so wonderful. And I know we just have a few minutes left, but I wanted to quickly ask this because I think it's something that may come up with uh, relationships between women and men sometimes that women seemingly have in certain relationships, not to generalize, an easier quote unquote time being vulnerable. And sometimes it's a little bit more difficult for men. How, if you could give a quick tip on that, how would you, if leading with vulnerability as a woman, and isn't breeding that in your partner, what's your biggest tip in order to kind of enhance that? You know, if, if you are modeling it and he's not coming along, like there's, don't, don't waste your precious life force energy. <laughs> Next. <laughs> that's what I say to that because yeah. mo- a lot of men will open to that. They will, because that's the truth of who they are and that's what they want too. So if somebody's built up so many walls, it's like, do, do you want to make that your life mission to like crack down those walls? Crack someone open. Wow. Yup. But- But let's say there is, okay, let's say there's just someone you're just so obsessed with and you really want to, you know, when walls get thrown up or something like that, you know, really understanding what that man's love language is can go a long way. So for most men, love language is touch. So putting just like a hand on the neck or just a gentle touch, a kiss. And one thing that um, actually one of the women said on the summit that I thought was really powerful, she has this beautiful conscious relationship. The man is like so sexy. And he said he was very shut down and very close. He's from Eastern Europe. And he said that she would say to him, how can I serve you in this moment? Yes. Like when he was like really broken down and she'd go, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Men operate off the mind, right? What do you think? We want to say, you know, I remember in my twenties, oh my gosh, if I could just, oh my gosh, that, that question, what are you thinking right now? No, 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 no. What are you feeling right now? 
yeah. that you want to ask. Because That's really interesting. Out of his head and back into his heart. Yeah. yeah. I love that you just said, because it kind of like shifted my mind the other way. Like when I was talking about vulnerability, I was thinking like, oh, you know, spilling your guts out and being like, this is my past trauma. And this is what I'm thinking. And like all these things, but you just like named something to like, I wasn't even thinking of the other love languages as like being an example of a different type of vulnerability. Mm. Um, Cause I think we do tend to lead with what our love languages are. And, and you know, for myself personally, even like to use myself as an example, I love to talk. I love to connect. I'm at a point now where I've practiced being vulnerable so much where like, I'll share, you know, my deepest insecurities and fears and all of that. And I think not everyone in my life is, has, you know, come to that point. So I think sometimes I, I personally can take like offense to an extent for people not meeting me where I am, but then I have to take a step back and be like, wait, this isn't, you know, it's not about me. It's just a different way of approaching it. And it doesn't mean that people aren't being vulnerable in their own ways. It's just different. Exactly. This is, this is all like, so, so like, I know it's so groundbreaking, but I, I know we're coming to the end. So um, we wanted to ask you if you have any daily practices, rituals, or routines that you incorporate into your day. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Um, the first thing that I do, which I highly recommend, and I learned this from that egg freeze catastrophe that led me to the fountain of youth, mm-hmm. is I eat only fruit until noon every day. Ooh. So I also can do some celery juice but and water with lemon. But other than that, it's fruit until noon. Juices, smoothies, fruits, that will give you more energy and more vitality and put you in such a good mood and just make you feel Amazing. Okay. So that's like my best fountain of youth tip I can give you. I also am a big fan. We do this on the mermaid sisterhood retreat every morning is we start out writing 10 things we have gratitude for. And here's the kicker. We write why. So you can write a gratitude list and over time it can start to feel pretty rote, you know, just you're kind of like calling it in. But the why really connects you vibrationally to just this beautiful feeling of gratitude. So to give you an example, like every morning I wake up and, you know, I have two little kids and it's a lot and I love them so, so much, but it's also amazing to be able to have time for me. So I have this fantastic nanny that I love so much. She's really like part of the family and she's on my gratitude list every single morning because. I say I'm so grateful for Angley because the fact that I have someone I love and trust that I can leave my babies with allows me to do work that's deeply meaningful to me. That allows me to go surfing and see my friends and connect with the ocean and tone my body. And it allows me to, you know, do work so I have money to buy organic food. So you go, you follow the braid right? You follow the braid of things that that one thing gives you. Mm. And by like item like four or five, you're going to be like, I have the most awesome life. Ah. I love that. Feel different. Okay. And then the other thing that I do is I really like to move my body. Okay. So whether that's, you know, some starting out with some Kundalini yoga and like doing breath work and kind of like moving the energy through breath and then either doing like some dance, putting on a really fun playlist or going surfing or, you know, doing, you know, a a more like Ashtanga yoga, but just something to move the energy and really help me like ground to the earth. That just makes me feel amazing. You know, I really call it like you've got to fill your own cup up before you like fill up anybody else's. And so it's so important in the morning to have just some time for you to like get your, get your head on straight and really connect yourself to your body. Yeah. Oh, I love all of those. Emily, you've given us so much, so much incredible advice and wisdom, but if you could tell twenties year old Emily one thing, what would you tell her? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I wish I had the wisdom um, in the pages of the quest at 20. That's what I, in my 20s, that's what I really wish. But I would have skipped so much heartbreak and so much floundering around and trying to find the keyhole, you know, that wound up liberating me from so much pain and heartbreak. But first of all, I would give her the biggest hug, the kind that lifts her off her feet and tell her, you're gonna be okay. You are magical and you are special. And it is simply the overarching culture that has robbed you from knowing this. And I would tell her that it's still there, that I promise. And then I would hand her the quest and I'd say, sweet girl, read this. Adopt these principles, you know, as your highest truth. And they will bring you everything you need to call in the life of your dreams, really beyond your dreams. And, you know, this will help you walk into who you really are, a woman who you adore and you admire and you respect so much. You know, still, with that being said, though, I have to say I have no regrets. I really do because I love my quest. Yeah. If I hadn't come through that journey, I wouldn't have been able to meet women where they are today and lead them through. And that's really, really one of the things that I value most about my life right now. You know, the women who come to me, who find me, they're so beautiful and they hold so many riches inside. And it's really like my greatest joy that I get to be a mirror for them to see their own power and magic and beauty and genius. So yes, I would tell my 20 year old self all that stuff. But with that being said, I'm really happy for the quest that I've taken. I love that so much. Oh my goodness. So where our last question is, where can people find you and where can they get the book? Well, the book is on Amazon. So if you take the quest, Emily Pereira, it will come up. And my website is emilyperera.com. Maybe you have it in the show notes. I definitely will. Instagram is at emily underscore begins. Perfect. I will link all of that in the show notes and the link to the book. Emily, thank you so, so much for coming on with us today and for your time and for your wisdom. This was, this was incredible and exactly what we needed tonight. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You ladies have been amazing. I'm just like, you know, I'm so proud of you. You, you <gasps> girls are so awesome. Like oh I was in the 20s, I would just be like, you know, so stoked to be where you girls are. So you're doing an amazing job. Oh my God. That made me like a little emotional. <laughs> I know Brenda's going to cry now. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's fine. No, you've been doing a great job. You're asking these really interesting questions. I mean, you're, you're putting all this information out there. Like you guys should be really proud of yourselves. Oh, thank, thank you so, you so much. much, Emily. I mean, can't, can't thank, thank you, you enough. You were incredible. Thank you too. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.